All right. What is going on, you guys? This is another episode of the Nabi Design Podcast. And for those of you guys who have been uh, tracking with us, we are currently kind of in a series of sorts, uh, really addressing the Asian American community. And uh, on this episode, we're sitting back down uh, in just like previous episodes, sitting back down actually with former guests. And so today I have my very good friend, David Kim. Would you like to say hello? Hey guys, it's good to be back. I am so excited. Uh, I can't. I can't Come wait. Come so on. Hurry up with the introduction. Let's get started. <laughs> well, for if you haven't listened to that episode, I did a an episode with David and his wife Nina that was really powerful, a lot of spontaneous moments, which I actually got tons of feedback on. Uh, was a really good episode. I would recommend that you check that out. Uh, David is a really good friend of mine. Uh, I met David in 2019 in Kona, Hawaii. We were part of a uh, leaders gathering of Korean American leaders, very dynamic time, about five days together, and uh, built a very natural organic friendship with David and his wife, along with me and my wife. And we've just kind of followed up on the friendship. Um, David, is there anything about our friendship journey that just sticks out to you? Yeah, a lot. Uh, but kind of the few things that come to my mind, I really was looking for another coach. I mean, I, I couldn't find a co another coach in the Asian American world. And you were one of the first ones to meet. And so we shared a lot of similarities about coaching and yep. helping people unlock gifts and yes. passions. And, and so that was a unique uh, bond there. And then I love um, just your journey of emotional health and how you are able to name uh, your feelings and help people navigate that. And for our family, that's been our story as we shared in our previous podcast. Yes. And so understanding our pain, our brokenness, and, and what does it look like to lead out of that? And so, I mean, just all of that, just so much kind of uh, common ground and of course, food and East yes. Coast and yeah. Yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, our kids are the same age, which is really cool. Yep. Um, yeah, real quick, when I first met David and his wife, you know, David was sharing with me that he's a certified Enneagram coach. And as many of you know, I'm a certified Myers-Briggs coach. So I just knew right off the bat, we would definitely get along. Uh, but just quick introduction, and then we're going to get in. But for those of you who may be meeting David for the first time, uh, David is a certified Enneagram coach, and he's actually a discipleship pastor at Westgate Church located in Silicon Valley, California. And uh, David is just a man to me that is just actually very passionate because of his own life journey, uh, really on holistic health, on holistic discipleship, emotional health, soul care kind of everything in that arena. And I think that's one of the areas that David and I really, really connect well on, as well as our good friend, Jeff Hyun. Shout out, Jeff Hyun. We um, miss you. Where yes. are you? <laughs> Where are you, Jeff Hyun? He's on sabbatical, so he decided to actually practice uh, what we teach. <laughs> I would have actually just skipped the sabbatical and still came on. <laughs> Come on. Yes, Come Jeff, on, Hyun, Jeff. If, Jeff Hyun, if you're listening, just know you should be on here and we, and we miss you. Anyways. <laughs> 
Cool, man. Well, just hopping right in. I mean, one of the reasons why I particularly wanted to bring David in, not only on this episode, but in the context of this series, is because we really are addressing uh, kind of the Asian American community, maybe even specifically the Asian American church community. And I really just felt that, you know, when you're addressing uh, a group of people, it really takes a myriad of voices and a myriad of perspectives, I believe, to bring kind of a full sound to something that you're trying to communicate. And so as I thought about David and really just David's life experience and really uh, what he's passionate about, I just felt like this episode in particular, I really wanted to talk about kind of understanding Asian American soul care and why that is so significant at this time, which we will be uh, delving into here in just a bit. So just kind of starting, you know, right off the bat with you, David, I mean, David, you know, you've been on the podcast before. Uh, what what does life look like for you in the last year or so? <laughs> you know me. Uh, uh, so it's been a uh, interesting year. So right before COVID, actually, I had a chance to write a kid's book, a kid's book about change. And I think we'll get into that a little bit down the road. But um, that book was written pre-COVID and all last year. I mean, if there was one word to really get get an understanding of what everybody's facing, it's change. I mean, we everything was changing before our eyes. Wow. And so... um, the book became such a uh, prophetic kind of tool for our family more than anything else Mm. and processing that and with our children and all the changes that how come we can't go to school anymore? How come we can't go to church? Uh, Dad, I thought you're a pastor too. Uh, What's happening with, you know, why are we wearing masks too? I mean, you name it, all the changes that our children were facing, we kind of used the book to help them navigate all the changes in their lives. But it's um, so that's something that I've been working on uh, and and uh, doing a lot of work on that uh, since um, it was published, I think, early on into the COVID world. Yeah. Uh, Second. Yeah. The second thing that I've been working on a lot is I'm also getting ready to work on a second book on belonging with a major Christian publisher. I think if you know you and I know anything about this COVID season, this connection and loneliness. I mean, you're, we're all feeling that. And what does it actually look to belong and how do we belong? So we're going to talk about friendship and how do you actually even make friends? Like not even talking about the importance of friends, but I don't think people know how to even make friends. I, I didn't know that. And so journey wow. into that, what is chemistry and belonging and what, what are some of the signs of chemistry? So really going into the Okay, I'm getting too now excited no. about my book, but yeah, so I'm working through that belonging. And then in terms of the coaching world, uh, Enneagram, I mean, I've been busy doing a lot of premarital marital counseling with a lot of conflict and communication, uh, both in, in relationships, but also teams. I mean, everybody's feeling the heat, right? A lot of anxiety and, and just miscommunication everywhere due to all sorts of emotions and how do you process that how do you work well together yeah and so with churches leaders and especially couples i've been doing a lot of coaching uh during this season and lastly in terms of my work at uh church uh westgate church discipleship how do we um how do we disciple people 
um, post pandemic? What does that look wow. like? How do we follow Jesus? Wow. And what, what is Jesus teaching us during this COVID season and post COVID season? What does it actually look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to build resilience? What does it look like to, I mean, all those things. And so I've been dreaming, planning, preparing, and working through, working with our church members and, and, and yeah, spending time with that. So yeah, lots of work. Wow. You know, one of the things that I personally love about David is uh, in the Myers-Briggs world, David is uh, what I would categorize as an ENTJ. I'm an INFP. And the only reason why I bring that up is because on paper, we're supposed to actually experience, quote unquote, friction or dissonance. But the fact of the matter is, is right off the bat, David, you and I have just gelled and communicated so well. I don't know if that's just common interest, friendship, chemistry, but I have personally come to really enjoy David's energy. And I think, you know, you could say the same. I, I would hope you would say the same yes, about me. Absolutely. But, um, well, you know, David, one thing I want to talk about, because you talked about your book about change, and I really wanted to kind of go into that a little bit more. So David's being really humble here. But I mean, David dropped this book, uh, wrote the book uh, pre-pandemic. And uh, not only is it really a phenomenal book. I mean, I want to give some of my own commentary here, but Oprah actually picked up the book as, you know, one of her uh, monthly readings. And David, I mean, so it, I, I'll just share a little bit of what I took out of it. But, you know, this book on change, it's a, it's a children's book. You wrote it for kids. And just going through the book, you talk a lot about your own personal experience growing up as an immigrant child here in America and just your unique journey of change. And I just felt not just not not just me knowing you, but even me reading the book, I, I this is these are the thoughts that were in my head. I said, this book is so simple, yet so profound, and yet so uh, potent. It was so like it, it I, I felt like it was profound in the sense that children could understand it, and it would help them. And so David, for you, I mean, what even compelled you to go on that journey to write a children's book? Yeah, I mean, this is the book that I wish I had growing up or I wish I had when I came to America because I faced a ton of change as many immigrants do. Wow. Uh, my friends, church, neighborhood, uh, language, culture, food. And how do you process all of that? We weren't prepared for it. And I'm not trying to actually blame my parents. We, we came here with their courage and faith in God to move our family from Seoul, Korea, all the way to um, you know, New York City and then Boston. Um, but they didn't really have the tools to really help me navigate all the things that I was facing. And so this is a book that I wish I had growing up. And, um, and a lot of navigating change is understanding what you are feeling and naming that and, and processing that with somebody that, um, somebody that you can trust, like a parent or a teacher, an educator or a coach. Wow. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, my, my girls are reading it and um, I'm, I'm a pastor, but yeah, Oprah picked it up and she, named it as, you know, 2020's uh, Oprah's favorite things list, um, which Come I am, on. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's just all God right there. And wow. uh, it's actually a tool, a real a tool and a bridge for parents to create a safe space mm. for their children to process 
uh, change. Now, this is really important. I asked the publisher to make sure that my Korean American-ness is captured in that book. Wow. Um, this was crucial for me because about 70% of all children books are animals, which we can't relate to. <laughs> and the, the, the 25 to 28% are white figures, leaders. Mm. And so as our children are navigating all different things in this world, like how can, uh, like, who are they relating with and to? And I realized I wanted to make sure that there's an Asian face, there's a Korean face wow. that they could say, like, you see me, you understand me. And sure, it's for the broader audience, but yeah. I wanted to represent our story and our people. David, I actually didn't know that. Um, I mean, obviously, it's translated through the book, but I mean, really, what you're saying is that from the onset of the project, it was your intention to want to be able to represent that Asian American story. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So if well, you look at the change story, it's all primarily focused on my immigrant journey of change, right? Yes. So um, absolutely. I wanted to kind of guard that perspective. Wow. Well, David's not going to do this for himself, but I'm going to do it. If you have not heard of this book or you have not seen it, uh, I believe you can purchase it on Amazon. Just yep. look up the book Change by David Changhyun Kim, and you'll be able to find it on different sources online. But I, I really do mean this, though. If you have kids, I would definitely buy it, even if you don't. I just think it's a, a really profound book, and I, and I think the illustrations are pretty cool, too. Anyways, um, David, just while we're on the topic of the book, what sort of feedback or what kind of impact have you witnessed through the vehicle of this children's book? Um, well, a couple things. Number one is that uh, personally, I always limited myself as if I am doing something for God, I have to do it in, in the context of ministry, yeah. pastoral ministry. And what, and I never thought that my first like kind of publishing world, it would be a kid's book. It's not even in the Christian publishing world. It's just a wow. kid's book. Wow. And um, the that. way God is using that and that, and at the end of it, you know, I do say I'm a pastor on the book cover, right? Uh, on the back of the book cover. Yeah. And to represent Jesus, that Christians are not weird and yeah. pastors are not weird. Yeah. We can do normal work and we can do good work. Come on. Yes. Right? And so that's something that God is surprising me and almost uh, encouraging me, David, keep going, right? You don't mm. be limited to what you understand ministry and kingdom of God is meant to be. So if you're listening to this and if you're a college student or if you're a business leader or you're working, I mean, wh wherever you may be, like, this is something that's really something that I'm learning, but also to you that when you're serving God, it, it means much more than just going into pastoral ministry. And, yes. and I know that many of you know that, but it was a kind of a reaffirmation of that. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, secondly, I would say, yeah, um, parents were <laughs> giving me feedback. A lot of like second gen really? or 1.5 uh, parents, they were saying, man, like, like as you, as I'm reading this to my children, I'm processing some of the pains that I haven't processed mm. of my own immigrant journey. 
Wow. When I brought my Korean food, you know, this is in the 90s, right? Uh, to the cafeteria and they said, it smells. We right? all have one of those stories. Yeah. And I ate my kimbap in the bathroom, man. Right. Wow. Um, and, and so like things like that and, and going through, okay, how much of the, the shame that we carry of this Korean culture that we, it's that we're still embodying today. Mm. And, and how much of that is getting translated into our children. And, you know, like, I didn't say this, but I saved it for this moment. Like Andy, I love, uh, like I've been reading and following your, your, your stuff and especially your podcast. Yeah. The way, the way you represent Korean American identity, it's not ethnocentric, but you are proud of your Korean Americanness, and mm. and and that part has been missing in our journey. And so I want this book to really highlight that. You know, in the '90s, all of our eight, uh, aim. I'm, oh man, this is so old. Our Zane guy, and <laughs> aim uh, AOL accounts. Man, people are like, "What are you talking about?" Right? For those um, of you who don't know what Dave is talking about, he's talking about AOL Instant Messenger. Keep oh going. Jesus, help me. <laughs> um, and we would write KP, like Korean pride, right? Yep. And, and those are things that, and maybe for right or wrong reason, <laughs> but, but there was so much now, there's like so much shame in that. Right? Yeah. And I think we need to recover that. No, there are God-given gifts in the Korean American story that we need to be proud of, not in a weird way, but really be thankful to Jesus. And so, yeah. That's amazing. I'm hearing those things. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'll just share a quick personal anecdote. I mean, David actually has like a short two minute video on his uh, Instagram uh, where, you know, he's being filmed and he's basically kind of sharing on the book. But I'm just going to say it, man, you can't watch that two minute film and not want to cry, especially as David shares about, you know, the impact that one of his, you know, elementary school teachers had on him in helping him to navigate change as a child. And I just know that that was super impactful for, for Yuna and I. And just last thing I'll say about the book is, you know, what I felt like was so profound, David, about, you know, the fact that you wrote a children's book was I felt like it almost forced and allowed you to communicate such profound truth in such simplicity. Mm. And you know what I'm saying? And I think that there's a lot of truth to that, no pun intended, right? I think that there's a lot of truth in the sense that sometimes the most profound truth are comes in the form of most simplicity. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so hard to write a children's book. I mean, if you're a children's pastor or children's ministry leader, God bless you, right? It's like... (laughs) It's hard to boil it down. I, I think yes. Andy, actually, you do that really well. But yes, uh, normally it's really hard to do that. And for uh, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, what what I felt like you did was you took something that is as elusive as this topic of change, but you were able to distill it down in a way that you know your daughter Skylar would be able to really ingest and digest. You know, so I just thought that that was really cool, David. Um, Yeah, I think this is a great segue. I mean, you know, David, I think in light, you know, it's interesting that you were mentioning that you wrote that book pre-COVID, which I just think is amazing. In light of kind of what's been happening specifically with Asian Americans since the onset of COVID, right? 
Uh, I'm not going to belabor the the statistical data of the Asian American hate crimes. I think most of our audience, if not every one of the people who are listening to this, are probably fully aware of what's going on. You know, a I think your book was really timely because I think that you know navigating change has been a med a meta narrative for so many of us in the last year. But I just really wanted to actually pull on you to just pull on what are some of your thoughts in about this current season of Asian Americans in America at this time? Whew, okay. <laughs> I'll share just my personal thing and then I'll comment on that. So um, yesterday was the verdict for the George Floyd. Um, yes. Uh, I was in, actually in New York City watching that in JFK along with so many others. I mean, the, the room was so tense and just wow. kind of waiting to hear that announcement. And um, I mentioned that because uh, if we all remember that uh, painful clip, there is that Asian police officer who yep. is kind of has, you know, his, his body turned away from that situation. And... Um, for me, it brought me back to that um, clip and it brought me back to that situation where, man, that Asian police officer, that is a prophetic mirror of David Kim. Wow. Like I have been doing that all my life. Wow. I have just turned as a Christian leader, pastor, wow. Korean American, as a citizen now wow. in, in United States, but now, but just as a human, right? Wow. That's that's something inhumane. But as a human, I still, um, justice is too costly for me, right? Mm. So I'd rather um, pursue the model minority myth. Uh, it's easier to pursue that, right? Just yeah. continue and be silent and, and, and we have a bracket for you. Become uh, an intellect or become a doctor, lawyer, and you can have money and be successful somewhat and not have to deal with all the pain in this world. And so for me, I felt like uh, that was a prophetic mirror and I had to repent a lot of that, number one. And number two is mm. that through that journey, um, what I'm realizing about all the anti-Asian American hate crimes is that, man, I need to use my platform and and there needs to be more representation than ever before. Wow. And so like even writing this kid's book, I'm the first uh, Asian author in the collection. Now wow. we have a second one, uh, Andrew Yang's wife. She wow. just wrote uh, her book on a kid's book about um, sexual abuse. And it's wow. her story. Wow. And I mean, we're, 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 we need to speak up and we need to share our pain and share our story. I can't believe we're writing a kid's book about sexual abuse, but mm. it's something that Asian Americans cannot shy away from. That, mm. that is part of our story for many mm. and that we're not going to be silent and we're going to produce and we're going to do good work. And so even this book on belonging, like there is something that I've learned from my Korean American. I mean, you guys shared it in your last episode Chung, or um i even would dare to say like even the language of harmony or Chung, right which harmony means grandmother or Chung brother or 
Nuna or sister, whatever that may be, we use it actually for both our blood relative and also to anyone else <laughs> who wow. is our Korean American. And so that's outside of family is what yeah, you're saying. It's, wow. it's the same word for both. Wow. Uh, and so understanding for us belonging is a unique thing for the Korean American journey. Mm. And I think we have things to share and to teach. And there wow. are things that other Christians or non-Christians can learn from our stories. Wow. And so this is the time to just really represent our voices and really uh, uh, share the things that God has already placed in your heart. Wow. There's so much that you just said right there, bro. Uh, I'll just share a quick commentary and I actually, I'm going to pull on you a little bit, but you know, yeah, first of all, David, thank you for just sharing that so truthfully and vulnerably, you know, of just your own kind of recognition and your own, you know, epiphanies that you've had in your life. You know, for me, I just want to say this, I can't help but to feel like the last 12 months in some sh shape or way has almost been like God's invitation to many of us. Not that you throw away, you know, truth, data and anything, but I'm, I'm simply saying it almost feels like he's been trying to invite us into a classroom of empathy. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I get it, right? I, I understand that the human soul cannot process the amount of social media data that is being thrown at us every day. It's actually in many ways, you know, a lot of us are actually on hyperdrive or overdrive, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I almost feel like, man, it, it really feels like an invitation to learn how to be human in the sense of how do you empathize or begin to even attempt or try to, and in that process, allow yourself to touch a different part of your own humanity. That that's just my two cents. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Go for it, <laughs> yes. bro. So empathy, we're thinking about, oh man. So I been, I've been bitter. Okay. I'm just, just straight up. I've been bitter at the first generation for their lack of empathy during this season. Now, I, I, I do want to be self-aware that it's not as though 1.5 and second gen, we've been, you know, we've been speaking up all of our lives either, right? And so mm. this is a recent phenomenon. So uh, I, uh, it's, it's for both of us, but especially for the first gen, uh, I was trying to understand why they can't be really empathetic. Mm. <laughs> so I'm trying to empathize with their lack of empathy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I began to see is that Man, their entire journey, uh, I shared with you earlier, right before we began this podcast, is that, I mean, Maslow's hierarchy, right? Their, their entire journey is to fight and overcome poverty. And survive. Right? Survive, right? And so their, their main thing is security, right? The first good, layer yeah. of, yeah. of uh, what it means to be a human, right? Yeah. And so that's why as they immigrated to the States with $100 or $200, like the questions that they asked me growing up was just one, right? Did you eat anything? Yeah. And it was their form of actually love and empathy. Yeah. But it was, it was shown through the lens of security. Mm. Right. And so 
uh, or, you know, get into a good school, right? And it's a lens of security, but it's a form of empathy, right? Yes. It's, that, yeah. That's what they're doing here. And that's so um, I do think that for the, for the earlier generation, their empathy is actually through the lens of uh, security. That's good. But yeah. our generation, we cannot stay at security. That's good. Because wow. we have it. Wow. So for us, like you and I, yeah. we cannot say, no, our generation too, we're going to say, let's get into good schools. You know, let's have a successful American dream, whatever that may be. Yeah. No, that's not the call for our generation. We our have generation to build is, on that we ceiling. We have to build on that. So I have empathy for our first gen, that's my so parents good. and our people. I love them to death. And thank, thank goodness for the kind of the, the first layer that in which we can stand on. But for us, our second level of empathy is really, really self-awareness and mm. begin to see like, what is God calling us? And like, what are, what do we have that to offer to the world and begin to do the inner work, which, which is emotional health, right? Which mm. is soul care, right? Soul care is for the privileged. Right? That's right. Uh, because so we have security, we can do now soul care. But now that we can, let's not, let's not take that for granted. Our parents mm. have shed tears. And mm. I mean, like my, I just met my parents. They gave up, you know, they gave up everything to be where we are now. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if you and I don't do soul care and self care and begin to really process um, like who we are and build upon that and really lead into empathy, we're all we're going to do is just numb out and be comfortable, which is what privileged people do. Wow. David, I mean, there is a whole universe of things that you said there. And I feel like in some way, we're going to actually start extrapolating those one by one um, as we, you know, kind of move forward with the podcast. But I just want to say this quickly is, you know, yeah, there's like so many layers of profundity to what you're talking about and you're articulating it very clearly. You know, it's basically, it's simply understanding that having empathy for the first gen to understand their plight and their circumstance and their limitation and empathizing with that. However, what you're saying is that, however, it's recognizing that the ball has been pushed forward to a certain uh, to a certain measure because of the sacrifices, not for us to recreate that journey, but to actually move it forward and to be able to learn how to articulately navigate that journey in a meaningful way that is fulfilling God's call on our life. That's good. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great segue, David. I mean, I I'm doing a lot of David's introductions here because I'm his friend and I can do that. But uh <laughs> <laughs> so, da so David's a pastor and you are a pastor's kid. You're a PK I am. and you came here uh, in elementary school, um, really had to learn the ropes of American life. You grew up in Queens. I remember some of the earlier stories you were telling me when we were getting to know each other in NorCal about how basically like you and your brother were like latchkey kids slightly, maybe yeah. not slightly, but really, you know, and really like how you ended up in, in, a, in a certain, how you ended up raising your brother. 
who's not that much younger than you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I only make mention of that because that is a very typical narrative of second gen immigrants, you know, like my brother and I used to, you know, when, when, when my brother was like in sixth grade and I was in like third grade, my brother had the key and we would go in the house and it would just be the two of us, you know? Right. That was just normal. We didn't know that it was different and that, you know, defects could be called on our parents at any moment. You know, we just yeah. thought that, no, this is normal life. But anyways, I say all of that, David, because you're a pastor and you're a pastor's kids. You grew up in the Korean church. You spent many years serving the Korean church. And I would say just from our dialogue, you know, you have a unique love, hate. And I don't say hate in the sense that you hate them, but a love hate dynamic to a certain degree with dynamic the yes. yeah dynamic <laughs> not not an actual sentiment but a dynamic with the korean church and so you know we're about to get in some you know story here but like what's kind of your maybe overall take on the plight of the korean immigrant church in america at this moment in time so one of the reasons why we ended up, again, I have a deep love for the Korean American church. And I still, every time I get asked to guest speak at a Korean American church, I am down. I love yes. that. And so, yes. um, and my dad's a, a, you know, immigrant, he's an immigrant pastor, lead pastor in Queens. Yeah. And so uh, deep roots there. Um, but what I'll say is this, in our journey, one of the areas where I found profound pain is that self-care, soul care is not a conversation of the Asian American, Korean American church. Wow. Right. So um, there was no Sabbath. There was no, I mean, I remember getting phone calls during my vacation from my elders, from my deacons, right? I remember on Mondays, which is my day off, um, it really wasn't a day off. It was recovery day. <laughs> so it wasn't really Sabbath keeping. And, and for them, there was no real understanding of, of boundaries of family life, uh, uh, mm. the way they would uh, respect and honor my wife and children and our dynamics and also our own family in our journey. And so I don't say that to actually bash on the Korean American journey. I would just, again, it's, it's just we Korean American immigrant church is just built upon poverty and survival and so wow. Uh, wow. Uh, I can see why that's not part of their DNA mm. um, but all in all in our own journeys of our own pain and brokenness and how I was a, a absent father a, a absent husband like I was overworking I'm an Enneagram 3 uh, ENTJ like overworking all the time I am doing everything that I hated about the, the Korean American kind of the, the DNA. And so um, I think we needed, we needed God's grace to break off from that and, and learn about soul care, emotional health, healing, self-awareness. And we needed a, a different space to just do that. Wow. And so I didn't, I don't, I don't want to say I left the Korean church out of pain and hatred. I think it was God's grace to really help us and our family, mm. my marriage, my fatherhood. Mm. Um, and so that's been my journey over the last six years in this American church, multi-ethnic church that I'm part of. What would you say, David, have been some of the casualties? I mean, they seem obvious, but I would like for you to articulate it. 
What do you feel like have been some of the casualties of that deficit of soul care in the Korean immigrant church? Um, many Korean American leaders are not self-aware. Wow. I don't know how, and I, I would also include myself in that journey because I'm still yes. growing in my self-awareness. Yeah. I can say that because I'm part of that conversation. Yes. So this is mm -hmm. not a knock on the Korean American lead. This is like, we are just not good at that because that's part of the casualties. Why? Because we don't have enough time to reflect. Mm. We don't have time to process. We don't, mm. we don't have time for friendships to converse and, 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 and really work through some of the things that we are stuck on. And so there's no time to even build friendships, frankly. I didn't have many friends when I was working in the Korean American church. Um, I had mm. to sacrifice it for the kingdom of God, whatever that means. It sounds godly, but it's not. Wow. Um, and so those are all the casualties. And so it breeds for leaders, it breeds loneliness, isolation. And then mm. I got into all sorts of terrible addictions that I couldn't get out of. Wow. Um, and for the rest, um, we are now modeling as leaders that uh, grinding ourselves onto literally onto physical and emotional exhaustion is spiritual maturity. Mm. Now we're modeling that for the rest of the group. And so- wow now everybody's just tired and bitter yeah <laughs> right i would do yeah. like five day korean like american retreats five yeah. days yeah. i would make my guest speaker speak like 14 times wow. by the time the guest speaker was done like he was out the at the altar call receiving christ like she was like wait what's <laughs> happening i'm so tired right like we're so tired like we're all at the yeah like, i believe in you like we're like what, what right that's what's happening we're like so tired Wow. I think in a short word, David, what you're saying is it's not sustainable. There's nothing sustainable about that. And not only that, but I think just kind of a, a quick snippet of what I'll throw in here is I feel like it eventually surfaces in some shape or form. And I just believe that you know, this great emphasis that we're seeing in the last, I, I would say maybe really five, 10 years on emotional health in the church, I really believe is a, is a work of the Holy Spirit. I believe yeah. that the spirit has been highlighting and really emphasizing this to the body of Christ as a much needed remedy for, um, yeah, for, for a lot of pain and, and different things that people have gone to. And I think the fruit is really there. And, and I believe that that movement is beginning to unfold. I think, I, I think this is the reason why Christian coaching is even growing as a phenomena, you know, yeah. um, which we'll probably get into that in a second. Um, I think this is good, David. I think there's such a natural flow of thought to so much of what you're sharing already. I actually want to talk to you, David, about, um, I'm going to try to set this up. So David, we've been friends now since, since 2019. And, uh, I would say a part of the trio uh, of friendship is our brother, Jeff Hyun, who's not here. <laughs> yes. And, uh, anyways, 
I mean, I'm going to really let you narrate the story, but I mean, in November of 2019, uh, the three of us went on a trip uh, to your father's church, uh, Queens Changnokyoe, um, which is one of the largest Korean Presbyterian churches in New York, uh, where your father serves as a senior pastor. We were there for a weekend that you and I both, just pre-even podcast, were both talking about how it was actually one of the most impactful weekends of our lives and without real exaggeration like there was something very dynamic there so all that to say david is i would love for you to be able and maybe we could narrate the story together but i would love for you to kind of take us on a journey of like what what that whole weekend was for you so man um I left the weekend with so much hope for the Korean American church. Mm. Mm. I would use hope because every time I do a ministry at a Korean American church, I honestly leave like feeling a little bit hopeless. Yeah. No, I think that's a very real sentiment. Right. It's like, I'm doing all that, but we go back to the, the, the beast. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so uh, I, and again, I've done Korean American uh, youth ministry for 11 years, right. Both in Boston and in San Jose. And so again, I love the Korean American church, but it just feels like, is there hope? Is there a way in which there could be a real awakening and repentance on both generations, is that possible? Mm. Uh, it, can there really be a real breakthrough? And 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 so I saw that, and I saw a glimpse of that with my father. Again, he is a mega church Presbyterian Reformed pastor who is yeah. my father, right? Sixty-five yeah. years old, and I'm like, yeah. he's not gonna change. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, there's just no way, but um, we had conversations about um, the way what? he, oh man. Okay. No, 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 no. Real quick. I, I'm just going to slide in here. I just, go I, for it. no, no, no. I love the way that you are actually starting the story because just to set up this story, I think that this story is so significant in light of the broader conversation, because I would just say that you know, if you are in the Asian American church and you've really, like David said, just honestly lost hope, or there is a sense of like, can anything really change? Or it's been very difficult to try to navigate a, a, a vision for the future. I just feel like this story that, that we're about to talk about that David's talking about is so pertinent. Um, David, just take us through real quick, because I just want to start here. Like, how did this trip even begin? Because I know you, you've, you, you stay in conversation with your dad, you know, your dad, the senior pastor of this church, you know, you guys have very, uh, you know, I would say you guys have a great relationship. Yep. And I think one of the things that immediately struck me as you kind of brought us into your conversation was the fact that your dad actually asks you for advice. Yeah. So every week we talk hours about his message for the weekend. Okay. And he is inviting me in to really speak into that, which is really humbling for me. I mean, he's been preaching for 40 years, yeah. right? He is a, he's leading a Korean American mega church. And so for him who, uh, to, 
to have that kind of humility, I think there's some kind of a, I do think that God is using him mightily because of that, that kind yeah. of humility. And so we talk yes. a lot about, but in crafting the message, we end up talking a lot about the future of the immigrant church. We mm. talk a lot about his elder board. We end up talking a lot about his staff yeah. and what he is uh, losing sleep over. He mm. begins to share with me some of his pains of his loneliness as a lead pastor of a, of a wow. Korean American church. And so in that, he began to talk about what do I do about the next generation, David? Mm. I am lost for words. And what do I do with my staff where every time I try to talk to them, I want to encourage them, but I end up critiquing like as a, like an older Korean, you know, dad. And, and we end up building, uh, we, instead of bonding deeply, I end up almost kind of doing the typical Korean father thing, right? Kind of criticizing and commenting on how they can always improve 5% better, which is not what the second gen wants to hear. And so I, I began to say, dad, I do think that, why don't we create a space in which you get to hear from some of the leading second gen leaders of our day. And that is Andy Eun right here, baby. And, and Jeff Hyun, uh, former, uh, um, Sarang uh, EM pastor. Yeah. Now he's kind of moving into this new soul care uh, season. Um, and what do we bring uh, them to your church and just spend a weekend and figure out and process together? How do we, like, what can we learn together here? And so I remember dad just kind of flying both of you in for that weekend, right? That's kind of how the conversation began. I'm going to hop in and out just to give quick commentary, just to dialogue or narrate this with you. But what was so crazy about that too, David, was yeah, Jeff was kind of brought in, you know, I think to make it legal, right? Quote unquote legal, you know, Jeff came in to do kind of like a, a, a like a seminar night or like a special yep. message night. But I think even the fact that going into that weekend, we were going really to just spend time with your dad. Like it wasn't like we were going to do something. It wasn't an event it was actually, we were going to be together, to spend time together. Keep going. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I just couldn't imagine my dad spending, blocking up the entire weekend to hear from these three young bucks. <laughs> Honestly. And, and just saying, teach me. Like, I just want to learn and grow and just become a better immigrant pastor. I think, yeah. I think there was an anointing there yeah. from his humility. And, and, in that process, um, what he began to see is that, man, if there's a way where there could be deeper conversations between the second gen and the first gen, it's something that we all talk about, yeah. but it's just hard to really implement. Yes. And so as he was seeing that in his own life, as we were eating meals together at our homes and restaurants, and we're just like talking and allowing us to really speak honestly and freely, I think something clicked for my dad. And do you remember my dad on Saturday morning, he gathered uh, um, just all of his associate pastors yeah. and he knelt in front of them. Wow. They, they, I, don't, they, I don't think there's, they still process that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and apologized. And, yes. and, and to, to put that in context, not only were all the associate pastors there who were leading kind of the second gen or the Chungnyeonbus at the time, the, the 
KM was actually there in, in that place. Like his congregation members were present with them. I'm going to slide in here because this is what friends do. We, we share stories together. I mean, you know, real quick. So Jeff and I, I think Jeff got there a night before I arrived on a Friday and I believe I took, took off on Monday morning. So I was there for about three full days. I remember arriving there on Friday. We went straight to Shabu Shabu. You, what was the name of that restaurant? Spring. Yes. That place was fire. Anyways, best Shabu Shabu I've ever had in my life. I remember going there and just to narrate some of the nuance and the details of the story. I mean, you know, it's my first time really meeting David Zed. I met him briefly in NorCal, but it was still somewhat kind of formal as a young pastor to an older pastor. But let me just give you my two cents going in here. I just really felt like in my own heart, God was like, don't go as a, as a young pastor, Andy, go as David's friend go as his son's friend, which I'm just going to say this right now is completely and hyper counterintuitive to the existing paradigm of much of the first gen Korean church. It's very much based in honor. Some of it's good. Some of it, to be honest, unhealthy. And right. I think some of the unhealthiness of it is the fact that we lose a certain amount of humanization of relationship where we're actually not relating to one another based upon our true self, but slightly, I would say from, uh, from our position and title. Yeah, honestly, position and title. And I would, I would categorize that David in, in the realm of soul care as that's slightly a false self. Cause it's actually not the fullest self of who you are, you know? Agreed. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not to say that your dad was being disingenuous or anything like that, but I just feel like, the proof has been in the pudding over time that that paradigm has served a purpose, but it may be an inadequate paradigm. Anyways, that's just quick commentary. But so having that meal and then, you know, spending that time with your dad, I remember that first night we went out with your mom and the Changnonims. Do you remember that? I remember that at a yep. sushi restaurant, right? Yeah, well, it was the Kalbi restaurant. Oh, the first night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. First one, yeah. Yeah, and I thought to myself, I said, I'm going to gain 30 pounds over this weekend because of literally like how much we were eating, <laughs> right? And so anyways, real quick, but with that night, I just, I, I just, you know, I, 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 there's just certain details of this story that always stand out to me. You know who was actually really highlighted to me that night, David? Was your mom and the elders' wives. So what yeah. do you remember that? Right. Yeah. So while Jeff Hyun is over on the right side or left with all side, all the men. With, <laughs> yes. So Jeff you, is over. Yeah. You're the Kwon Sanim killer. We call it. <laughs> the Kwon Sanims love, 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 love. And the end. So, but no, no, but, but, but all of these details add to the mosaic of the weekend, right? Because while, while you and Jeff are on the left, you're doing a great job hosting and just being that bridge, you know, Jeff, who I believe is the Changnonim Slayer 9000, <laughs> like his, his, uh, just his ability to create rapport with the Changnonims was flawless. And I could tell that that spoke volumes to your dad. And so it was a very beautiful night. But I just remember for me being on the right side, I was, I actually felt this is a great opportunity to have fun with your mom and the Kwanzas. Yeah. Again, as counterintuitive as that sounds. 
I see, I, I know enough of Korean culture to know what is expected, but I'm lovingly, charmingly rebellious enough to not play by the rules, but to make them love me. And I'm not saying that in like a narcissistic way, but yeah. I just knew I wanted to break the rules enough in the spirit of love. Is that what, is what I'm saying? Making sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and <Dude>. so, yep. <laughs> well, and so, you know, joking with your mom and I, I just remember one moment, David, where, cause I, I really do for me, it's all, it's a, it's a thousand percent authenticity. I remember I made a joke with your mom and I felt like something broke in our relationship. Mm. Like I made some silly joke that was probably like so long have 5,000, but your mom just started dying laughing. Yeah. And that. And she opened up to you since then. Yes. Well, yes. Anyways, real quick. I, cause we're just kind of going certain, certain things, chronological order. Talk to us quickly about on Saturday morning before the crazy dynamic moment with your dad and all the staff. Well, the Sebukido was you, so you got to talk about that <laughs> because, um, man, um, my dad was very hesitant on yes. putting you on stage. Yes, kind of having a real conversation. Yeah, here. yeah, and um, and it's a it's traditional Presbyterian church, yes. and you are. Decent at Korean at best. I love you. <laughs> uh, actually, you're pretty bad. <laughs> but I, but uh, the confidence makes up for the bad, though. Yeah, and um, and so my dad was going back and forth, back and forth, and I think it was a last minute decision to yeah. really have you speak on yeah. Saturday morning prayer, which is kind of the main prayer morning service for our church. There are a couple hundred folks who came out that morning. And what I remember is that the time, man, how you gained your placing and authority was that not through your title, which again is the traditional way, but you did it through your sharing of generation, of your lineage and your grandfather and your story of the faith that's been passed down to us. Mm -hmm. That gave almost the authority and the breakthrough to speak now authoritatively into these older harmonies, kwanzanims, these deacons and elders and pastors that were sitting in the room because you're not speaking from your faith, but you're carrying on your grandfather's faith. Wow. I think there's something to that. Wow. So what, would you say that? Because the reason why I'm asking you is because I was up there speaking. And so I just have a my vantage point, but you were there, you know, in row number three, we obviously processed a lot of this, but would you say that what you were witnessing was that because of the honor was given, you felt like the honor was deferred back? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So then tell us, David, just from your vantage point. So what, what took place that morning? And then I just kind of want to keep playing it out chronologically. Well, first of all, towards the end, uh, you let out a, your classic prayer to your service that just went crazy, right? Do you remember that? I do. Um, and um, and then afterwards, there was a gathering of KM uh, 
I think 청년부, 청년 일부 and 이부, and then this yeah, young, young kind adult of, for yeah, people young, who don't know what yeah. that means. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some of the staff and their key leaders. And again, there's always this awkward tension uh, between the younger generation and the older generation in the Korean American church. And it just exists even in family, right? And so yeah. uh, my dad just brought all of them into this uh, gathering, really not to do anything, not to really teach at them, but to just kind of create a safe space for them to hear from you, Jeff, and my father. Yeah. But something that we didn't plan happened. No. I, I mean, I'll share some of this. Man, I, I'm sorry. I just, I feel like the spirit of Jeff Hyun is with us. Do you feel that? Is it just uh, yeah, me or is I, yeah. the ghost of Jeff Hyun like sitting with us right now? Like, I keep I'm, saying, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? Right? <laughs> I'm like, where are you, Jeff Hyun? <laughs> No, You're but like I think... a third of the story, man. <laughs> it's true, though. Jeff, Jeff is a great storyteller and he remembers detail really well. Um, no, but I'll just pick this up, you know, with you. So after the morning prayer, which was a, a, a phenomenal time, I learned so much. Basically, the, David's dad gathers essentially all of the staff and especially the young adult crowd. Uh, of the church. Now, just to give you some quick context, not to say that there was bad blood going on in the church, but if you've been in the Korean immigrant context long enough, you will understand that many times there's very pent up frustration right. that is not easily expressed because of some of the cultural nuance and baggage, right? And also, it, yeah, just miscommunication, absolutely. And misunderstanding, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it, this is not, you know, Korean centric. This is very, it's a human universal phenomenon. But so let, let just to set up the stage, a lot of that was there. And for those of us who are a part of Korean culture, we understand that, oh man, this is crazy. When you're a senior pastor of a mega church, I'm not trying to say that it's like pontificating. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying you are the Don. You are the boss. You are the top of the hierarchical tree, if we're just calling it for what it is. And the only reason why I say that is because the idea of that position, specifically in the Korean context, humbling themselves genuinely and truthfully I would say, at least for many of us, we would say it's pretty mind-blowing. Would you agree? Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So then what ends up happening, and, you know, Dave, we just ping-pong off each other, but your dad, you know, Jeff's kind of leading certain times of prayer. We're tag-teaming it. And then your dad gets in the middle of a room of about 50 people, mostly staff, and then he gets on his knees and he asks for forgiveness for any and all of the ways that he as a senior leader has fallen short and not served well. What, what do you remember from that, David? I remember that I remember my father getting up and hugging his staff. Yes. And the, they couldn't say it, but that's what they wanted. You know, 
just one hug from their lead pastor. Wow. A fatherly hug, that physical touch, that embracing, that, that acknowledgement that like, I care about you and I'm for you and we're going to do this together. That was so powerful to me. And, and the person that, the, the people that were receiving some of them, it, it was so awkward for them yeah. because it's like, like, I don't know how to like grab my lead pastor. My, my, my lead pastor, yep. Yeah, but I think there was, there was, a, there was a breakthrough that happened when you yes. begin to just embrace that. And, and they didn't exchange a lot of words. Actually, no, my dad did say a couple, whisper a couple words to each of the staff. But just the embrace alone, there was just so much power that that came. Um, I, I would say that was such, I don't know if electric is the right word. I think it was such a moment of breakthrough. Like it just, I remember watching that. I remember standing next to Jeff and watching it all happen and just, I mean, yes, I'll just say it, feeling the presence of God to such a degree that was quite mind blowing. Um, and I really believe it was because the spirit of family was coming back to the church. What, what, what do you want to say about that, David? When every time when you break off the spirit of performance, mm, which on, is a bro. spirit of title, right? Come on, come on, go to there. a spirit of family there's always the, the love of God begins to unfold, right? When, where there's a gushing of the love of God in the room, everything changes, everything changes. And so the spirit of family is the love of God outpouring into the life of the church. And so that's what I saw. Um, my dad wasn't hugging them because they just came back from a wonderful event or a retreat, right? My dad wasn't hugging them because they just brought, you know, 30 new members into their ministry. My dad was hugging them because he loves them. And I think when that happens, breakthroughs happen. And I do think that that's sadly rare. Yeah. It was rare for my dad. So I'm not trying to, I, I want to be honest here. I, I'm not trying to elevate my, I, my, I love my dad, but I'm also not trying to elevate him to right. a point where you're saying, Hey, none of your lead pastors are like that. Look at my right. dad. That's not what I'm doing either. Yeah. This was yeah. incredibly difficult for my father. Yes. This was his first time ever. If I'm being honest. Wow. Okay. So, so that moment happens. Um, would you like to say, well, maybe I'll ask that question in just a second. So that moment happens. We have a very dynamic, you know, uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, that Saturday night, Jeff Hyun gives his message. If I, if I remember correctly, no, no, I'm sorry. That he was Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah, yep. that's right. So D Jeff gave his message on pain, which I think this, all of those moments, David were domino blocks, right? Because for Jeff, let's just be honest to come from the most respected, largest Korean church in America. I mean, it, yep. the, in terms of the Korean church, it doesn't get higher, higher than the higher. top of the food chain <laughs> with Sarang, you know, EM yeah. lead pastor, right? So in that way, he was like a Peter who came in with all the credentials, but what was his message on Jeff or, or David on Friday? It was on his personal story of pain yeah. And losing his mom. Right. I think he titled it the gift of pain. The gift That's of pain. 
So for every moment of that weekend, David, for me was like a turnkey moving varying degrees. Right. You're going and, from friendship yes. to pain yes. to honor like yes. of the generations that brought the breakthrough to humility and spirit of performance to spirit of family. I mean, all of that were all just movements. And this is only Saturday afternoon, everyone. We're not yes. even. <laughs> no. And the crazy thing was, you know, Jeff and I processed this several times afterwards because of how dynamic it was. We both said this. We said, if we came as guest speakers, none of that would have happened. And this is the key that I'm trying to drop here. If we came as guest speakers by invitation, none of that would have happened. But we came through sonship. We came through you, David. Are you understanding the profundity of that? We came as the pastor's son's friends. Yes, I'm awesome. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I only say that because yeah, this is a real life manifestation. And this is why this conversation is so dynamic to me, David, because many people talk about Malachi 4.6, but this is a manifestation of it. This is an actual living testimonial case study that needs to be extrapolated, examined, and shared with the world, I believe. Because I believe what happened, right? Malachi 4, 6, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children back to the fathers. Because we came through you, David, as your friends, your father loves you as a son. Your dad doesn't love you as his associate pastor. Your dad doesn't love you because you perform for him. It's an unconditional love of a son. And because his son was bringing these friends, not, you, you know what I mean? Not to do kingdom work, even though it was fully kingdom work. I just believe that that opening of your father's heart was already there. That even allowed that opening of heart to burgeon through the weekend. That's my point. Right. Because if you came as moksanims or spirit or just event uh, guest speakers, what end, what would end up happening is, is that my dad would see you for that. Yes. And, and only that. Yes. And uh, it would be almost, I don't want to say every event or guest speaking is performance, but there wouldn't be a spirit of family in guest speaking. It's rare. Um, but yes, um, that bridge really did help. Yeah. So family, I'm going to hit that, 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 that word's just ringing in my head. So let's just fast forward. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of taking people on this chronological journey. So Sunday morning rolls around. Jeff, I believe, spoke for the EM. Is that correct? That is correct. Which was another dynamic time, yes or no? Yes, but we can't get into that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we won't get into that. Uh, maybe we will. But I mean, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, yes. give, us, give us maybe a quick synopsis of why that was dynamic. It was dynamic because Jeff was able to minister not only to the EM, but to the EM pastor, whom um, he did not have a sonship relationship to my mm. father. And if you're an EM pastor, you know what I'm talking about. And, ah, oh, man. And he 
felt like he was the elder son. Do you remember wow. that? Well, it was, and just for those who, who didn't catch that, what do you mean by the elder son? The one that basically does all the work, but doesn't does receive the, work, the love. Doesn't, doesn't leave and doesn't sell and take all the inheritance of the father. And wow. right. He was raised in the church. Right. And, and his family's part of the church. And, but he always felt like I'm the elder son. And I, uh, but like, what's happening with me? How come you're not showing the same kind of love and, and, and grace? And why aren't your inheritance being fully shared with me? That's what at least he felt. Okay. So let's keep going on this journey. So, literally i mean david would you say without exaggeration every every moment of our time together when when i say moment i don't mean second but every instance of our time together was significantly dynamic yes or no yes okay another question would you say that and i'm not saying this to boast in jeff and i that's actually not the point here at all would you say that something dynamically shifted in the culture of the church after that weekend. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, let, let me just go here and I'm, yeah, and I'm going to set it up and I'm going to ask you if you want to go here, but so that all happens. It's Sunday afternoon. And we're so full and tired, right? Like okay, I mean, yes. we're doing nonstop ministry. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big, you know, relive the moment person. We're at your parents' house uh, over on the east side of New York. What's the name of the city? Is it like? Uh, I forget. It's Long anyways. Island. Yeah, Long Island. Anyways, it's, 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 it's about a 40-minute 40, 40 drive. So we're all sitting on those, those couches that are in the, you know, the shape of a square in your living room. Your mom is in the kitchen. She's cutting up pe very typical narrative and we're all sitting together okay only reason why i wanted to bring this part up david is for me this was the most this was the crown of the weekend for me this was the most transformative for me i want you to try to narrate this and and i i mean if i feel anything i'll jump in but i want to hear what that moment was for you because it had to do with your family. So my father, Jeff, Indian, and I are processing this. We are reliving the weekend. We are thanking Jesus for all the crazy things that have happened in all, really every department of the church. But my mom's not present. Mm. She is still serving us and not part of the conversation. And what we felt in the room was that that is actually the story of the Korean American church. Wow. That the mothers, uh, the, the faith of the mothers, right, are not respected, not mm. invited into, into leadership, yeah. into honor and is often ignored, often sidelined, often as like, go, please cut up more fruit for us. This is the man's work. This is the real work. This is the kingdom of God. And so in that moment, what we begin to see is that, no, um, that actually there is something for my mom 
two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please yeah. help me here. No, no, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help you out here, bro. Because this, it, it's all it's like you know, we're ping ponging off each other because oh. we're hel- we're helping each other remember. That's really what we're doing right now. It's been two years. Um, I remember very vividly at this moment now. Um, you know, we're exhausted, like you said, we're exhausted and satisfied in the same moment. But for whatever what reason, there was a little tickle on the shoulder. Um, I believe it was happening just while we were praying together. And let me just say this, when me, you and Jeff and your dad, right. And your mom's going to get in the picture here soon. When we were praying together, David, that was the most like pure unforced prayer. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Like we weren't praying because we should, we weren't praying because that's what you do when you're around the pastor there was a genuine spirit of family. Like I I would say this confidently. I felt like we became family that weekend. And as a result of that, we started to pray together anyways. Yeah. So as we're praying, as this happens to me from time to time, people call it Dr. Strange, whatever, you know, I just started to feel this actual pain in my chest. I remember very clearly. I actually felt this real, like an actual physical pain in my chest. And I felt like because of, because you know, when you're family and when you know that you belong, you're not afraid. So I wasn't afraid in that moment to like, do I have to, you know what I mean? I felt like I belonged. We're family. So I, I felt like that what I was sensing in my heart, the pain was for your mom. And in a very strange way, the best way I could try to describe it was I actually felt like I was getting an ounce of the unheard pain of a pastor's wife who had served God and her husband and her children for 40 years, but never felt the freedom or the place to be able to express that fully. If that even made any sense, you know? And so I brought, I asked your mom to come into the room and as we began to pray for her, I just felt like there was a real grace in that moment to repent to your mom and actually tell your mom like this is what you've been feeling and 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 this is the time to let it out and i'll just share my quick two cents and i would love for you to fill any blanks david but you know i just remember that moment being incredibly real uh anointed you know your mom was there was a real agony that was coming out of her And I'm just going to say it, David, because this is my podcast. We're safe here. (laughs) But I look over at the corner of my eye, David, and you're bawling your eyes out. Why? I almost passed out that during that moment. 
And the reason for that is because I realized that so much of my mother's pain was caused by my lack of empathy and my lack of inviting her into our family. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, if you want to jump back in at any point, let me know. But I mean, it was such a real moment, David. Um, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is truly at work, because he works through family and, and love. Um, nobody told your dad what to do, but do you remember what happened? Your dad actually steps into that moment to repent, not because of any blatant sin, but to repent to your mom for what she had to endure. Right. All the years of silence and sacrifice. And um, yeah, I remember that. What was that like for you, David, as a son watching that moment between your mom and your dad? First of all, there was deep pain because I was also reliving that with my own family. Mm. Like I also ignored my wife for many years and mm. by serving God, I was just doing what God has called me to do my ministry. And in that I've silenced the women in my life. Mm. Um, so there was a deep sense of repentance repentance and brokenness that I was feeling that like what I was seeing in my dad I was doing and number two um, as my dad was doing that I felt like God was breaking that cycle in our family so if I may ask you David I mean again first of all I just want to say this that you know, to be able to share this, you know, obviously in the safety of friendship, but on a podcast, I just want to say it for what it is. You know, it takes a lot of security and courage. So I just want to just say that to you, David, because, you know, a lot of people equate courage with being cavalier and, you know, saying things loudly and trying to act bold. But honestly, vulnerability is courage, in my opinion. Huh true vulnerability is the highest form of courage, I believe. Um, so I just want to say that to you, David, is I just appreciate you for allowing us to, you know, really share your story as a testimony. But really, I, I believe you are allowing something to shine through your story and even your family's story to allow it to give hope. Does that make sense what I'm saying, David? Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say that like right off the bat and, and just say that, but what would you say in, in kind of in closing out that moment? Like, what would you say that moment kind of did for you guys as a family in closing? We gave a space for my mom to share 
how she really feels about her life and what she wants to do in the future. Not as a samunim, but as Yi Myungja, that's my mom's name, right? As her own identity, like what she wants to do with her own life, she's never been able to really share that with us because she's just the lead pastor's wife. But I remember my mom as Yi Myungja saying, I want to have a cafe. Like samunims can't say that. <laughs> I want to I wanna start a cafe and I just want to serve coffee and have people come in and I want them to have a safe place where they can rest, listen to music. And if they want to talk, mom would be there to listen and, and talk. And, um, and as we were hearing this live, <laughs> Mom's like, I don't know if that's, uh, but I really want to do that. I just remember going, we're going to make that happen. Bro, sorry. I'm like trying to hold back so much right now, but because <laughs> I've been getting emotional on all of my podcasts lately. So I'm just, but thank you, David. Seriously. Like, yeah. Um, you know, again, the ghost of Jeff is here somewhere because I can like hear what Jeff would say, you know, like. I remember looking over at Jeff in that moment and because of Jeff's story, the way that all of that dynamic was even, I believe, connecting with him at a soul level, um, my own story with my mom and just my relationship with my grandmother. I think every, it felt like the universe was culminating in that moment to give a, a, a it was giving itself a self-expressive mechanism for the love of God to actually come. And as a result of that, everyone belongs. That's what I wanted to say. You know, like I, I actually can't wait to talk to you more, David, about your book on belonging, because I feel like that word's been ringing in my ear throughout this whole podcast. Because when God shows up, everyone belongs. And that was the crown of the moment where your mom knew that she belonged to it all. Um, we're going to kind of start slowly descending the plane here, David. This is a great podcast. I am personally very excited to listen to this myself. Um, what are the reason why I wanted to spend kind of a chunk of time talking about this experience, because I, I honestly feel like we could dedicate hours to extrapolating it, but what would you say, David, kind of re even on this podcast, reliving that weekend and, and remembering what are some of the keys or the, the, the highlights, or what do you think are some of the key takeaways or principles that you're extrapolating from that weekend? If I'm speaking from a Christian leader perspective, yeah, doing ministry as friends, team ministry, that's based on not networking, not out of denominational affiliation or out of, hey, if I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing, mm. right? But as like genuinely, like we love to eat and hang out and love our families and we, we go on trips together like that. When that happens, I just feel like the love of God, the power, the power of God, the familyness of God, like it just kind of just naturally ushers in. We don't have to force anything. 
because it's there, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so, so let me say, I say that because the joy that comes with it, like I, like Andy, like doing ministry with you and Jeff, like the joy that comes with ministry, because so much of the time, like ministry is a pain in the butt, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Like real talk. I'm a pastor here, right? Uh, every time, sometimes some of the meetings that come out, I'm like, right? like uh, and what is that website that, um, that uh, the, the website where, you know, the pastors like uh, search engine for like other, like uh, new yep. ministry opportunities. Yep. Yep. It's, it has the highest amount of hits on Sunday night. Wow. Right. Wow. I mean, it says a lot. Right. And wow. so like, but when I do ministry like that, when it's like, friendship family ministry i just feel like there's so much grace yes yeah i mean anything else i mean that that alone is is a huge key and i think because you're articulating it you're almost giving this distilled key you know to a takeaway for people is there anything else for you david in that weekend that that you take away as a significant key or principle yeah. Um, I mean, we already said all that, but I think it is unique to, um, I think it's a gift of the Korean American church, the spirit of family. Yeah. Um, I think that, so again, another, just being honest, like now I'm in an American church. Okay. By the way, I love my church, Westgate church. Yes. So, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, go um, there. I've been here for five, six years, but after the service, we just all drive in our own family cars and we just go home, man. Yes. And the, the, the spirit of family that I would experience in the Korean American church, while there is this, this, this function there, this, the, the spirit of family that's there, I think there's something to it that's, that we can learn from as an American church, as the Western church. And I long for still, as I'm part of the American church, that we can teach the American church mm. um, the food that is shared after the service, mm. right? That alone, like, I'm like, bring that to the American church where as we eat, because we become vulnerable, we tell jokes, we share stories, right? And in that place, uh, we become a family. Food, I think, is is what brings one. I mean, that's why the Lord's Supper is so important. This is my body broken for you. Mm -hmm. The family happens in meals and through ultimately Christ's body. But really, the, the meals are designed that way. I, I long for that as a foodie, number one, as a, a former Yelp elite, <laughs> number two. <laughs> but in reality, I long for that because that's something that I wish that I could have in the Western church. Wow. So you are essentially uh, highlighting this aspect of our Eastern church experience that you see is actually lasting, lacking in the Western expression. Yes. But I'll just tie that ribbon real quick. But as a unique bridge that literally is simultaneously and seamlessly moving in and out of those world, you are actually positioned, David, as a second gen Korean American if there was anyone to be able to translate and transmit that gift to an audience who may, it may feel foreign to, but they actually subconsciously long for. Right. So 
when I first got to the, this American church, I was trying to be the model mind. I was trying to fit in here. Right. And so what I ended up doing was I was ashamed. I naturally became ashamed of my Koreanness because mm. now I'm with the American coworkers. Right. So I try to be as American as possible. Mm. And in that journey, what I realized is that actually Kona was the real awakening moment. Wow. Uh, when I met you guys is that, no, that's not what God has called me to, that there is a gift that I'm not supposed to go to the American church and become an American David Kim, mm. but I'm supposed to be the Korean American David Kim. And there's something that I'm learning from the American church, certainly about soul care, emotional health, family care, all that stuff. Mm. But there's something that I need to not be ashamed of, but to kind of bring and, and, and strengthen the American church. And so that's what I would say. Thank you, David. I mean, bro, yeah, this is how I know we're real friends because honestly, I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, we could go another hour and it'd just be fire. Anyways, I think, you know, where we are right now, David, kind of descending the plane, I'll just give you some of my takeaways and yeah. tie it into why I even felt so strongly to do these series of podcasts. So, you know, for you, what you were saying was it was the spirit of family um, doing ministry truly as friends, which is actually a foreign concept to a lot of people in ministry. Um, but I think that that narrative is changing. You know, what I would say is this, bro, I would say that what I'm taking away from that weekend, what I'm even taking away from this podcast is actually something you just articulated. It's the Asian American's ability to truly do the inward journey, the journey within, the self-awareness, but the, the journey of depth is so significant because the way that I would summarize that weekend, David, would be this. Abraham Lincoln said something to this effect. If I had 10 hours to chop down a tree, I would send, I would spend nine hours sharpening the ax. That weekend was a testimony of not laborious amount of work that produced a result. It actually had to do with a sharpened ax head, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, that was sharpened to such a degree that when the work began, it happened seamlessly. Would you agree with that? Seamlessly is the word I was, yeah, yeah. Seamlessly. And I think that there is a real treasure box of revelation for anyone who who would have you know the heart to receive what i'm trying to articulate and i'm not saying this because i feel like the expert but all i'm saying is that i think god is desperately trying to change our paradigms and our values about many things right now i believe god is trying to change our paradigms because there's so much of us that have equated work with quantity over quality and I feel like God is desperately trying to change that. And I would even say this, I believe that the Asian American uh, 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 story and the faith experience, if journeyed well and articulated well and explored well, I believe can be such a testimony of what it looks like to sharpen your ax head for nine hours so that when quote unquote, the time to do or the time to work happens, there's this dynamic power that people are like, how did that happen? I mean, let's just be honest, David, right? 
when the average person would look at your the all of the circumstances, all of the uh, all of the things that were in place prior to that weekend, I would say that the average person would look at that and say, "How did that happen? Would you agree, yes or no?" Yes. So I say all of that. You know, I I know for some of you guys, you might be thinking like it can sound quite kind of metaphorical or ethereal what I'm saying, but it's actually really not. I think that if you can take this word to heart, you know, the whole reason personally why I felt so stirred and inspired to do these, you know, five or six episodes uh, specifically for the Asian American community and even more specifically to the Asian American uh, faith expression is that I wanted to connect with people like David you know, people like Bonnie and Liz and people like Paul and, 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 and Kevin, not because they're quote unquote experts at their whatever, but it's actually because of the unique experience and what they carry and what we've shared together that could actually be communicated and articulated on a podcast in a way to actually transmit something. And, and to give permission to something, because that is really my hope. I guess I'm just saying like making my cat out the bag. You know, my hope is that through these series of podcasts that it would really inspire, but it would also catalyze something. And in some shape or form, I, I, I really hope that it gives you language to equip you with something uh, so that this unique moment in time, both cultural and prophetic, that we find ourselves in as Asian Americans can really enter into this powerful, unique, redemptive process where something that seems like it's pushing us down actually becomes a catapulting opportunity to thrust us forward. So good. That's my heart. David, love you, bro. Any final words or final thoughts from you, bro? You're like an ENTJ button. I can ask you anything and like something will come out. <laughs> But any, any, any final thoughts from you, bro? You know, I just feel like let to say this instead of, you know, again, ENTJ, I want to say one more thing about something, right? But Andy, I just appreciate you as a friend and appreciate your family. And, and when we were going through a lot of tough things, your prayers and your support and um, yeah, um, friends are hard to come by and um, miss you, man, really miss you. It's, it's been a while. And so, um, yeah, I uh, wish we can see each other in person and really grateful for you and your ministry, your voice, your platform and what you're doing and love your family. Yeah. It's likewise, man. Um, David, thanks again for being on this podcast. Guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in on this. Thank you for joining us on this journey where we are going long form to let the conversation breathe as always. Uh, if you're enjoying these podcasts, please share it. Share it on social media. Share it with your friends because I really want these type of conversations to really proliferate in this season. If you're enjoying these also, please give us a like and a comment on Apple Podcast. It definitely boosts our reach. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Navi Design Podcast. God bless. Good night. <laughs>